we're coming up to Worlds again, right? Worlds? Oh yeah, it's Worlds. League Legends? League Worlds is coming up. You excited? Oh yeah, I'm always excited. Is Sean excited? Have you been hearing from Sean that he's excited? Yeah, I'm gonna quote, quote the Sean. Um, I assume that this may be sarcastic, but it doesn't read well in text. But he says, the gap is closing, Kirby. This could be the year. But I, I assume, I have to assume that that's a, a, a very uh, obvious sarcastic joke. If, should I explain sarcasm? I haven't heard viewer? from Sean in, um, in months, so I'm envious. I mean, can't, can't, that's a two-way street, which is what we call in um, the video game. In the video game world, you know, it's a two-way street. True, mm. true. True, true, true. So, are there video games this month? This is uh for the. This is obviously um, uh, Christopher Columbo Day. Nope, taking that out of the podcast. This is obviously a three-day weekend of unknown origin for me. So that's very exciting. Um, it is October the eighth. Be with you, and uh, this is a podcast about just everything. This is a podcast about baking, cooking. Uh, bicycle riding, but specifically Peloton. That's our big thing recently is Peloton. We love it here. We have the app. We have um, all of the wearables. Um, I always have 10 to 12 wearables on my body at a time to track my heart, to track my lungs and my brain and my my rates and my fluctuations. And, um, you know, just see, just make sure everything's good while I'm mm-hmm. running and jiving and I get on the Peloton. I go home, I get on the Peloton, I get mm-hmm. out, I start running. But this week I was thinking, you know, it is getting colder. I think that the dog days of summer are uh, about to leave us. So I was going to get into some new things recently and I was thinking about um, video games. It's never been a better time to play video games. So you know something about this? Have you seen these? Have you heard of these? Have you heard this? Have you heard these video games? They're like a playable movie. People are talking about video games. So what's a good video game? I feel like the first video game we got to talk about... I'd rather about talk to you about what's a mild video game. Is the but, first video game... Yeah, I mean, the first video game is arguably a mild video game. Uh, a, a bad... The worst video game ever released, Quote to quote some of our friends, one of our friends... Um, but it is a video game nonetheless, and it is, in fact, the first video game ever released. I'm talking, of course, about Mortal Kombat 1. The original. It is the first video game ever released, and that's why we're here. We're starting out on the ground floor with the first video game ever. And uh, Mortal Kombat 1 is inarguably a fighting game. And it is it is nowhere else is it more a fighting game in the fact that it is really just not doing some of the things you you want it to do um it's a bummer always it, i mean it, it it's got true fighting game blood when you're like 90 percent of this is just so good but like what happened to some of this like what was going on with some of this other stuff just like what was going on just like such, such weird incredibly weird problems we we still live in this age of like fighting games like Street Fighter is the one Street Fighter 6 is the one that most is a complete fighting game and until someone you know like it's the getting the closest to someone actually having released a fighting game but we're still not there yet and Mortal Kombat really shows us you know some of the big problems so so some of the, the Let's get into it. Why is it called Mortal Kombat 1? 
Uh, this is this know. is such a cool setup, actually. I think this is a really cool setup. So so uh, just big, um, you know, uh, sweeping kind of plot plot points uh, is that uh, Liu Kang got the power of gods together in, and in the, in the previous game. In the previous game, and he literally remade the timeline. And rewrote universe, the universe in 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 in, in a uh, cutscene that I'm sure you will see if you boot up Mortal Kombat. You know what I mean? You will have to see this cutscene um, in the beginning of time. Maybe you will. Wrote. And do you have a mod? Oh, you just delete. You just delete it from the from the folder. Just oh, I didn't know the that. Video. Okay. Anyway, so so the main idea and like kind of the crazy swing, and I think that like. Mortal Kombat is the type of game that can pull this weirdness off, is that Liu Kang gained the power of a god, rewrote the, the timeline, and now we are in, like, alternate timeline MK where, like, different characters, some of your favorites are doing different th things. Like, it starts off with Shang Tsung is, like, a greedy um, salesperson that everyone hates. I He's a, literally a snake oil salesman. He's a literal snake oil salesman. He's a, he's a pure, he's like a, a ML, he's, he's trying to get you to join his MLM. And um, uh, that that's where it's at, is, is it's a completely different timeline and everything is completely different and all the stories are kind of starting new. Um, so, so that is why it's MK1. Um, and that is, uh, I think, I'll also say that Mortal Kombat just does the best. I, no one else with fighting games makes good stories. I, I don't know what it is. It's like Mortal Kombat is just stupid as hell. Uh, I don't think, I don't have like a lot of respect for the story, but it, it paces it really well. And also, uh, it, it like, it, it's just all these, it's almost like watching to me. I think that the best equivalent is that it's like watching wrestling where you're watching, you know, two of your favorite wrestling dudes and guys and gals and, and non-binaries beat up on each other and then suddenly like from the top rope oh my god that's sub-zero now he's in the mix and that's the whole that's all mortal kombat is is like different people making different cameos mm. in the in cameos with a k mm. uh uh in the storyline and it just it just works it just it's a really corny um cheesy writing but they lean into it in a cool way and um they and everything is like pretty good you know, cutscene material. It, it it kind of like sets that that bar because most other fighting games are a lot of like either dialogue stories or it's just you know you read a paragraph or something and then it starts off in the round and then both characters are in a regular stage that you would fight in you know two D style standing there staring at each other and then they have like a different intro where they're like you killed my mom. And then the other person's like, no, well, I killed your mom because you killed my mom. And then they're like, well, we'll see who's the best mom killer. And then they fight. And then that's like this, the way that a fighting game story works. But this one actually has like, you know, some plot to it and like some, you know, cinematography to it. So, so it always is, it, it is good. It, it, it is, it is good is the word that I would use. Um, so, in a way, so they've they've got a pretty good story mode. The you know people liked Mortal Kombat 11 for having like a really wild story. Uh, the thing that I, I feel like this is missing though is the tombs. Oh uh, yeah, where in in MK11 there was like tons of unlockables. This like 
there was a lot of unlockables and this game also has a lot of unlockables, but most of the unlockables in this game are tied behind character progression. Uh, whereas like in the last game, there were like all of these rotating towers where like every few hours, like new towers would appear where you'd like defeat Molina and then you would get like this sick, like outfit for Molina and stuff like that. But in this game, that's all tied to progression. And so instead, this game has uh, some other things, which are like one of them is invasions. So outside of the story, the single player content is one of them is invasions, which is like almost this like board game style of like you're moving a character piece along a board and collecting different resources and keys. And then you're unlocking doors and like doing all of these like you know, these these like uh, missions with all of these like bonuses on them where there will be like fireballs coming at you from across the screen and you have to defeat the enemy and the enemy has all of this armor. So it's like it's fine. But I felt like the last game just like had more. Om it, it had more homages to like the Mortal Kombat lineage with the crypt mode, which is like this like maze where you're just like running your character around with currency that you've collected doing the other game modes. And you're just like unlocking chests and getting all sorts of crazy random cosmetics for your characters. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why that was one of the coolest modes I've ever seen for unlocking content. It is, they just did it. It's such a neat mode, uh, uh, you know, taking all the currency you have and then you're walking around and you're, like opening chests with the currency, opening doors to new areas. And like the deeper you're going, the more rare the, the rewards. And there was just great stuff. Like, Pat, I mean, it's all the kind of stuff that you, you really wish were in current games. Like you're unlocking full costumes, all these, every time I say a word with a C, by the way, it's okay. Um, you're unlocking full costumes. You're unlocking full color palettes. That was okay. Um, color palettes. Color palettes. Um, and, uh, it really just, it, it, it went back to that. It, this is something that, uh, you know, go on literally any message board and, and get ready to be complained about, th have this, this topic be, be thrown at you. But, um, we've moved so far away from unlocking things in games with your time to like, you play the game and then like new content comes out and then you unlock it with your money. Um, and I, I really appreciated the crypt mode for, for being exactly that, for being uh, one of the most interesting and unique ways to unlock a lot of awesome content that was on content that was on the disc. There was, you know, you could just unlock different uh, skins and everything. That was skins with a K. Nice. Uh, so the single player stuff is still it, there is still like enough there. I, I miss the rotating towers. I thought the rotating towers were like such a cool idea to just like jump in and be like, oh man, there's like this thing that I really want for Garrus. So I'm going to like hop into this tower, even though I don't really care about single player content. Like the fact that it was like time sensitive kind of added like this fun, spicy layer to it that I guess like people uh, in general just don't like because they feel like, oh, I miss the you know, I missed the rotation of the one thing and now I have to wait to get it again. Um, I guess that like bums people out. So now that's not in the game anymore. Yeah. Um, for, for, do you want to talk about gameplay? Cause there is like, I think that there's one mechanic 
So yeah. I want to talk. Yeah, I mean, we should talk about the cameo system because it is the uh, the biggest difference uh, in the Mortal Kombat gameplay. And I also, you know, I think that it is sort of like the way that this game is celebrating Mortal Kombat lineage. Oh yeah, uh, it's really cool on, on many levels. It has assists. Uh, so these are cameos with a K, of course, uh, where you are, you know, mortal uh, MVC style, uh, pressing a button and a partner comes out and they do a move and then they run away. So the thing that's different is that this isn't a tag game. You play as a main character and then you have an assist. Oh, like a one, a lot I of think of it as like a 1.5. Yeah, uh, it's a 1.5 character game. So a yeah. lot of the assist characters uh, aren't actually playable in the game. Like Cyrax and Sector are cameos, but they're not playable. Well, they're also from the other, the old universe. So you have, you, you do, have, of course, in this, you know, starting roster, you have um, Sub Zero and Scorpion, but these are different Sub Zero and Scorpion in this new universe. In fact, I think that, uh, I, I mean, like, I, I, I have to play more of this mode, and this is the, the week that I'm going to do it, but I think that it, it gets as weird as, like, you know, the current. Uh, Sub Zero is the old Scorpion or something like that. Yeah, like, Bihan it, used to be uh, Scorpion, and now Bihan is Sub Zero. So it used to be that like Scorpion that. I, I was a piece of shit. Yeah, and now Sub Zero is a piece of shit instead. Yeah. So so, but you but the point being that you do have um, a, a old world, past, previous um, Scorpion and Sub Zero as cameos as uh, you know assists and the. Assists are really cool. Mortal Kombat usually has a big, huge mechanic that changes the way that an individual character plays. I mean, that's like the direction that they've been trending to. So in recent Mortal Kombat, they've had like styles where they, they definitely didn't call them styles. They had like some, loadouts. Something that was a, like with a, with a K. K. Yeah, something was there was a K like, uh, you know, cra craftables with a K. I don't know. Craft singles. And um, the, the idea was that you would have like, you know, three different styles of a character maybe you had a character like aaron black and one style is up in your face you know punching you the other style is gunslinger where it's going to be trying to be you know back you're staying back on the other side of the game the 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 uh screen zoning you out and then maybe one style is like you know traps and poison i, I just like an example of it so um it was a way to like take one character but make the kit a little bit unique and in this game They've done it in a big different way, which is you have all these different cameos, a big, huge, like actually a really big roster of both starting characters and starting cameos. And all the cameos have like three, if not more abilities, plus some passives in a lot of cases. And they also affect your health. They all affect how much health you have. Um, and uh, it's a, a really cool way of making you have a unique spin on your character. Maybe there's something that you don't do well. Like maybe you're really great at neutral and because of that, uh, like you, you're not afraid of getting in, but when you get in, you're not doing a lot of damage. So maybe you'll get a character that gets, lets you like extend your combos or maybe like in my case, I've been playing smoke and one of smoke's things is that smoke can teleport behind you in, in MK style. But if the person blocks it, then it opens smoke up for like getting hit with a massive combo. But if I play Sector, then Sector shoots a missile up in the air that that I'm timing with the uh, with this attack, so that when I hit 
the, the missile will come down and my recovery frames are being uh, like guarded. Um, and it just, you know, it, it's a really cool way of making uh, different um, uh, play styles, characters feel unique. Um, not only with the way that you have combos that you can, you have to make completely differently for the character you're going to use as a cameo, but it changes matchups completely and it changes neutral and zoning and everything completely. Um, yeah, I mean, it's pretty crazy that there's like Sub-Zero will just give you a projectile shield, for example, and that totally changes how you're going to fight characters who are zoning you. It is wild. This starting, first of all, this this is such an exciting mechanic. I really can't gush about this mechanic enough because not only is it is it great from what we're, we've been saying, but they've said that they want to do DLC to release new cameos. And... For me, that is really exciting because when when a character comes out in a fighting game, I usually do play them a lot of times. If I'm really into, in, invested in the fighting game, I usually will learn a new character that comes out from the ground up, uh, uh, you know, in those first couple days, and maybe I'll stick with them or drop them. Um, but for this game, it's really cool the idea that they could launch a they could they could release new cameos and it doesn't just affect you know like like if, if a character comes out johnny comes out in guilty gear if you don't want to play him like how that doesn't affect you unless like you're having to fight johnny all the time and maybe it's a bad matchup then kind of sucks but um uh, if a new cameo comes out it affects everyone playing the game because now you you, you like you're a sub-zero main or something but a new cameo comes out now there's like you know past history ermac is going to be a new cameo or whatever. And now maybe you drop your Goro for Ermac or something. And now it is going to change the way you play, but it's going to, but it's going to change everyone. Maybe like, you know, a new cameo comes out and, and you want to play him with that cat with your character. And I want to play him. So it is really cool. Um, the, the idea that the cameos almost exponentially change the game of like every character isn't even the same because they could play differently with a cameo. And it's also something that in my mind means that uh, it's it's one of the bigger elements of the game that like I think will not get figured out for a long time. And I always just feel like it's easy for not the best players to uh, come up with different combos and then think like, well, this is the be- what the best players are doing, so I'm just going to stick to, you know, every Sub-Zero plays with Goro or whatever. Cyrax, baby. Cyrax on every character. Cyrax on every yeah. character. Um, but, uh, I feel like as time goes on, if this game never got a patch, that would not be good. But if it did, um, that in, you know, in years, we would still be seeing new weird combinations of, oh, did you hear, you know, this one character works with this one cameo in a way we found out that is really unique and it's currently good. So I think that it'll, it adds a lot of variety. It adds a lot of depth, um, to the game, especially if they can, but I think the, the, obviously the hard thing is going to be balancing them, right? Like, uh, like you mentioned, and we're already seeing that as a problem. Yeah, yeah. We're mentioning like some character, some cameos are too good. And then, and then the other thing that I'd be worried about is this is something that happens in a lot of games. And that is like, if you have, this kind of cameo system, you as a, like maybe our our more astute listeners may immediately think, well, if there's a cameo that's really good, then doesn't that mean that a character that kind of works with that would be even better? And the answer is yes, definitely. So you have stuff like Baraka, where Baraka has just like unsafe wolverine attack where he walks forward and attacks a bunch and it would be very punishable and it, the it, benefit of it is it deals a lot of chip damage a lot of chip but damage. it's super unsafe so how about you 
you know, put Cyrax in there, and then Cyrax, you, you do the walking forward, attacking a lot, and the person takes a bunch of chip, and then when it's their time to actually hit you, you're calling out Cyrax to make the move safe, then restart a whole new block string, a whole new mix-up, and into another, like, thing of chipping, and it's like, it can be rough. It can be rough. It's, uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. And and I, I think that what we're finding is that you just put Cyrax on anyone. Yeah. If you look on YouTube and you see, like, uh, search any character, search Rain, search Lee Mei, these are the characters I'm playing, they both have, like, 52% damage combos with Cyrax. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's simply that, that, that's too an, good. That's an evil, that's an easy fix, right? Like, that's, like, yeah, nerf, make nerf, Cyrax nerf cost Cyrax. an... Make Cyrax's uh, spin move cost an entire bar instead of half of his bar. Yeah, I, I really, I really hope that that kind of stuff gets uh, changed rather quickly. Um, another thing that I would say about Mortal Kombat is that NR- NRS uh, they another, did already shoot out a patch for the game. Even they did because of a really hilarious bug, which is one of yes. the which is one of the funniest things I've ever seen in a fighting game. In fact, when I saw the video, you ever do you ever read something that seems so outlandish that you're like, I have to know the full story on this. Someone is exaggerating. It cannot mm. be right. It can. It just absolutely cannot be right. You know, like sure. Th- so so uh, you know, there was a video that was like, uh, player two side can't do combos. Um, so that was true. Uh, so for some insane reason, uh, player two uh, had heavier gravity on their combos. So uh, first player would fall out of combos. Yeah, so certain characters had, like, B and Bs. Like, the example was, like, um, if player one side uh, uh, Sub-Zero does this combo where he, like, knocks you into the air, knocks you up, and then he, when he lands, he does this ice clone to freeze you, um, that you could work, you could do it 100% on the first player side, and then you couldn't do it on the second player side because there's a different gravity to it. So people mm-hmm. were, I guess people just started, this must have been a weird thing to find out because you would you would presumably be practice. it took a couple days or like a week, and like presumably you're going into practice, you're playing on player one side, and you're having no problems with this combo. Then you, you're in matches. Sometimes you're on player one side. Sometimes you're on player two side. Now, I don't think there'd be a lot of reason to suddenly think that, like, you know, oh, I'm dropping only when I'm player two side. That sounds like a really weird excuse. But, yeah, people eventually found out that, in fact, there's certain characters B and Bs and, uh, you know, good high-level combos didn't work on player two side, which is just wild. But they did patch it. They did patch it. So, I mean, there's that. Uh, but yeah, so the balance, uh, feels a little weird. People have some strong opinions on who is, are the best characters in the game. And that's actually rapidly changing, which I, you know, that's, that's to be expected, but it's also weird that it's rapidly changing in a game where like characters are hitting you with a seven frame move and dealing like 40% to 50% of your life. Yeah. This is, this game is crazy for damage. Like it it even started out that way. Yeah, and I think one of my biggest uh, gripes with the game when it comes to uh, the actual gameplay is a lack of defensive options uh, and a lack of interactivity with those defensive options. So, for example, in Mortal Kombat 11, uh, there was a combo break move where your character would actually fall to the ground. Like, you would hold, like, down and press a button and your character would fall out. 
but it was an interactive mechanic because you could bait people to do this, similar to in Strive, where you can bait people to burst and follow up on that. So you could create combos that were based around not falling out or people falling out at certain points and you could interact with them. And as a result of it being something interactive, uh, you could create a system that wasn't expensive to use that uh, option as a defensive player. And and I know I'm getting like pretty inside baseball here. No, so you're in cooking. This I'm game, you though, cook. In this game, though, there's one defensive option, pretty much. It's aside from blocking. It's the combo break, uh, which, you know, you press a button and it totally eliminates the combo. The combo is over and it expands your entire offensive meter. Yeah, um, I, I've, I've, heard, I've watched a lot of videos as I do, and uh, some of the best players have made a really good point about this particular mechanic, and that is this game is extremely high damage. And yes. the way that you want to be playing when you're winning is that you are, you are hitting the person, and then mm-hmm. you are expending a lot of meter on both extending the combo to the point where you're doing like 40 to 50% of their life with a combo or you are opening them up or making something safe. So the idea that you are spending so much time and then you lose all three, your entire bar of meter, you are now, when you go back to neutral, you're at a massive disadvantage because even if, even if you get the hit, like the damage without the, without meter is is much is significantly lower a lot of like the way that that meter works kind of in mortal Kombat, uh quite simply is that a lot of characters have something that they could do where it they burn meter but it continues the combo um and the best combos and the most like damaging combos are like you start out you have some meter to burn to extend the combo you have your assist to extend the combo, and you want all that. If you don't have those, if you don't have your assist, if you don't have your meter, then, then, yeah, the damage is, like, not that high. Um, and by so, not that high, it's, like, 30%. Yeah, versus, like, 40, 40 or 50. I mean... Which is still pretty high, yeah. It's a, it's a very high damage game. And it's also a high damage game when you consider, like, it is mad scrappy. It's pretty wild because there's a lot of Mortal Kombat just is like this. There's a lot of like 50 built in 50 fifties. There's a lot of characters where um, the way that it works is like they have a string where, you know, they hit one, two, and then they can either go low or go high. And, you know, if you get hit with it, then especially if they've got like maybe a, uh, one of these assists to combo off something or to continue it or make it safe, or maybe just like make a combo out of it, then, uh, like mm-hmm. you're getting hit and, and it's not, a, it's not because you didn't react to it. Like you are getting hit. And if you watch like high level mortal Kombat plays, like people get hit. You can't really block in this game for a long amount of time. You don't want to be blocking. Not even just yeah, for the chip with chips so hard. Yeah. I mean, and it feels blocking feels really brutal. Like it, it's, it, it does remind me, this game reminds me of DNF in yes. a couple of ways. Yeah. And the main way is just that like block strings are insane. Yeah, like it, it DNF does this similar thing where when you're blocking you're losing really badly and it's like putting you on a timer because there's there's two things that are happening. Number one, 
like you like like pressure feels so strong that your options feel limited and like your options feel as like shitty a lot of the times as like well I gotta just like jab out of here because it's um I can't be blocking forever and it, and you're you're on a time limit because in both DNF and, and Mortal Kombat you are like really getting chipped hard like you like this is bad like you you can't just be sitting there blocking you're like massively unsafe. Um, and then they both have the same problem of like not having fantastic defensive options to reset to neutral. Um, it, it is weird that uh, it's it's weird to me that the offensive bo- there's there's two resources in this game, uh, two major resources, and that is the the cameo resource, um, the the uh, the assist button resource to call in your assist, and then more importantly your your gauge. Um, your, your, your like super gauge. And that's what you're using for EX moves and for, uh, and you can have three stocked at once or all using all three for the combo break. And when you just think about if one player is on the offensive and they're winning the neutral and they're getting the hits and they're burning their, their, the, the, like, you know, one third of the bar to extend the combo and then they do it again in the same combo and now they're hitting you for 50-60% of your life versus the other person saving up the whole round to be able to break it with a burst is like it's not even close like the conversion like you just don't want to be in that position. Yeah. Um and and I would also agree with you there there's there's some other things there's a lot of legacy parts of Mortal Kombat that I just don't like. Um I I got to be honest like there's The game is a little icky, right? It, it, it like first of all Mortal Kombat is and always has been like this, but it like loves its you know ridiculous gore, but it doesn't do anything for me. I don't I don't know like I don't watch the gory things and then you know like or the X rays where there's bones breaking, there's skin being torn, people are like ripping their arms off, and then weirdly enough like they go back to fighting after that, which is just bizarre. Um, but but I like I don't love those. Um, like brutalities are a part of Mortal Kombat, but I just, I hate them. I hate them so much. I hate them for like eight different reasons. Uh, one of the reasons is it's nice that it's, well, uh, brutalities are fine with me. The fatalities fatalities. are annoying and fatal blows. That's like when I pull up my move list, the, the, which is kind of funny that you could just like pull up your move list while someone is doing like a, a 10 second, uh, attack on you yeah fatal blows thankfully they can only do you can only do them once per game they're not resource limited and they're like an ultra an ultra in street fighter where they are a a revenge mechanic um yeah but they are they are really long and when you're playing a set like you know it really does exactly like you said like uh, like i land the fatal blow and then my hand goes over to my phone and i start checking my phone because the fatal blow is like so long and then you know what even you know what's even worse is we're talking about fatalities and this is where things get really compounded here where uh you're doing you're, you're finishing this big long combo with your fatal blow because that's what's going to kill you hit them right at the start of the fatal blow they're dead it's over like we already know the round is done but we're going to watch this whole 15 second fatal blow now we're while now we're watching it we're doing this like this whole thing then it ends the person dies fatality time screen goes black and the the enemy stands up and it waits for you to like input something or do something or kill them somehow before it goes on to the next thing and it just i just hate it i just hate it so much it's, it, there's it, so much wasted there's time. so much wasted time and like I, like if it was like there's i i just don't know 
like what I would want because I know this is a part. This is a legacy part of Mortal Kombat, but just fucking give it up. Oh my god, who cares? Like you see these things like once and they're done. It's over. Like it. They, how much money is being spent to like make all these fatalities? Like who just cares? And then you can do them online, so it's the same thing, and it's just a waste of time. You have to walk over. Like if you if you killed someone from across the screen and you're another like you have to walk over or input a projectile or do something to like finish them off, and and you have to watch this whole like them standing up animation to get ready to do, to do this fatality and then and then god forbid they even input the fatality now we gotta watch that like oh my god and then then you hit yes and then like there's a screen for you one that happens for another five seconds when it gives you the option to go into the next game and then it black screens for like another five seconds and it's just like i just like the way that I play fighting games. The way that I imagine most people play fighting games is that you play them in these big sets. So you and yeah, I will be you playing. Just wanna, you just want to mash go. You and I will be playing for the course of like an hour, two hours. And, so, and when you watch people play in local co-op for like tournaments, they get to the finish him screen. They pause the game and they press rematch. Yeah. Because nobody wants to nobody go wants through to deal with how long this, this shit takes. Is, there should Why? Why? There needs to be a like a mode or Is something. Is there not an or, option? Like a toggle or it's something. just just like the, in you a know, private room, just disable all of it. Or right? how about like, this? In a private room. I, I, I got a better be idea. This is. The, I, I want to throw you this crazy idea that that seems so implementable, very easy. Maybe uh, in your main menu, you have an option for when I win, turn don't do a fatality because I'm not. I don't want to. I don't want to learn this dumb fatality, and I just want to get to the next thing. I don't care about this like extended dumb excuse for a teabagging video like just get to the next thing why is there not a way for me to turn that off why is there not a way for you know you're making a lobby to like turn off all fatalities why is there not a way for me to in the main menu turn off whenever i win in literally any mode doesn't matter whether if it's ranked unranked casual doesn't matter any mode whenever i win i will make the choice to not do a fatality I'm, I am taking it off the plate for me. Just whenever I win, just end it right then. Just go straight to the screen where I can choose whether or not to fight them again because it is such a waste of my time and it like it always adds up more and more. Yeah. You know, despite all of this, though, I'm enjoying this game. I think that the cameo system game. is good. The, the combo uh, routes are dynamic. Like, it feels like you have a lot of options and it feels... Like it's it's pretty easy to learn new characters, uh, sans a few characters who are more complicated, uh, and and you do get to freestyle. The flow feels good, um, and a lot of the issues, not all of them, a lot of the issues feel like something that they'll be able to fix. Some things they won't, like the combos are long, and the combos can't really you can't make combos shorter. Like you could tune down damage, but the combos are still going to be long. And with some characters, it's worse with like uh, characters that are freezing you and jailing you like and, and smoke who's like uh, has all of these like uh, command throws or like hit throws where like they, they will last for like four seconds in one throw, which is like, uh, but I, I am enjoying it. Yeah, I, I am enjoying it. Um, you know, Mortal Kombat. It's pretty, like, edgy and lame a lot of times, but uh, they do a good job of making the characters feel pretty cool when you're, when you're playing them, and 
um, that like the the kits generally have. It, Mortal Kombat's weird because it, it historically was a game of just basically clones, where not only did the characters in original Mortal Kombat's all look exactly the same, there was like three or four characters mm-hmm. and they're all palette swaps, um, but most of their kits had like pretty overlapping you know abilities and overlapping normals and everything and like they were very ununique characters and over time they've really gone wild with a lot of the directions that the characters have gone in both from an aesthetic uh, standpoint and also from a kit standpoint so like the characters do feel um pretty different um at all ranges at all points in the game the characters feel different the way that they play um neutral is generally feels very very different the way that they um uh do combos or the feeling of like the overall kind of you know offense strings defense how they work and everything just feels pretty different um yeah. so so it it does feel it is a really fun game to uh uh learn different characters on or or try and play different characters um and there's and a lot of characters have like one or two things that are just like just feel insane and are very fun and very unique to that character um uh one of the, the characters that i've been playing we've mentioned a couple times is smoke and i think i'm finally getting the hang of this like higher level smoke technique which is using this thing where he kind of turns into smoke and dashes forward and attacks but if you time it really right you can cancel it and uh if you know anything about fighting games i'm fighting games like you can do an unsafe string into this thing where you just puff into smoke and then you cancel it and then you can either continue the string or like throw someone in it and it becomes like a cool combo tool cool mix-up option so um that's that's pretty cool um uh i there there's still like you know when i look at this roster actually there's still like five or six characters that i really want to learn and i really want to play more um and then not only not only is it fun to play those characters but it's fun to say like i want to play it with this cameo um, yeah, so, it's so been what is fun that? just like playing a single character, but thinking about how I could change the cameo. And, you know, hopefully we see like a balance pass just to like address the things that are glaring, mostly Cyrax. Like, I think Cyrax is the one that really just needs to change. Yeah. Um, But otherwise, yeah, I mean, it, it just feels cool to like swap in and out the cameos to try new things. Yeah, I think, I think they like without uh, this game um dnf was one where you can't really like just lower the damage because the combos are so long that um like you if you raise health or lower damage then that just means that like there's more time waiting uh it's like a hard balance to to make once you've once that pandora's box is open and people are doing like like a minute long two minute long combos then like what do you what can you do like it it, like is it good that they kill you in one hit i mean no is it better if you if they just like a uh, don't kill you in one hit and then you have to watch that and then, you know, a mix up happens and then you watch it again. That's also not great. So uh, this game, the combos are long and the damage is high, but I feel like it wouldn't be so crazy just to like, you know, do on a minor bounce patch pass like everyone has a little bit more health or something because it, it wouldn't be it, like if, if someone could survive, you know, one more. I think throw, it needs another defensive mechanic. That would be true. Yeah, that could be true. Um that or like maybe bursting costs like two meters or something or or yeah. or if like they yeah if they gave like i mean this would be too crazy but if they gave like a different uh maybe maybe they could also use um uh cameos as like a, like put that put a burst uh, a um defensive or like a push block mechanic the camp the cameo comes in and like pushes them 
away from you on block, and then you can get, like, reset to neutral, but now you lost cameo gauge, so you're not going to be able to call on that, that character for a little bit. I, I agree with you that I think that this game could use um, more defensive options, and especially since there's only one resource that has a defensive use, and you have to use all of it, and it also counts as your offensive yep. uh, resource, not great. Exactly. But it's... It, uh, it, I'm positive on it. I, I am enjoying yeah, it. Yeah, me too. I am enjoying it. Uh, so that's Mortal Kombat. I, um, I, I'm surprised at myself for how many games I've finished this year. I've finished most of the games I've played. I'm still, I have uh, Armored Core 6 on the back burner, but I've been very good about finishing games. Uh, and I finished Starfield. Oh, yeah. I completed a loop. Um, uh, I don't know how much of Starfield I want to spoil, but I do think it's true. I, I don't think it's Stockholm Syndrome to say that the more you play Starfield, the better it gets. And that there are some very cool story moments. And that especially once you like see what New Game Plus is and start to interact with the systems in New Game Plus, it, it gets pretty cool. Uh, but that's with some reservations. You. Uh, so let's take a look at my um, my Steam situation. So uh, for Starfield, I played it for <laughs> 90, 96 hours. So you get really I'd say, good there. Really I'd good say nine. No, I, I thought it was better earlier than that. But I, I think that uh, one playthrough of Starfield's uh, finishing half of the side quests I would say was maybe 90 hours. Uh, I dragged my feet. I did some procedural stuff. I built some outposts. I did a lot of smuggling. I worked on my ship a lot. Um, so let me give you the good and the bad. The good parts of Starfield are the quests, like the side quests, even the main quest, like the design of these quests is good. Uh, building ships. Very cool. Very good. Uh, the bad is, well, also, I would also say like the gameplay system specifically like shooting, the, the shooting feels fine. It doesn't feel terrible. It, it feels fine. Um, the bad is melee combat or the idea that you would even like put melee combat in the game. Uh, the bad is all of the procedural stuff. So the fact that like there's a bedillion planets and most of them have nothing on them or the, they like you look at a planet, there's a couple points of interest. A lot of the points of interest are these like procedurally generated dungeons or, and the main reason you would go to a planet is because you're seeing that like it's full of a certain resource that you need. So you pick a point on the map where that resource is and the game generates for you uh, this like instanced map that is like no man's sky tier of a planet, but lacking sort of the character of a no man's sky planet. Um, so it's it's really bad. Like all of the procedural generation stuff is just like so incredibly boring and you can choose not to engage with it, but there's so much of it that it, it almost feels like they they were afraid to release a game that was too small 
So instead, they released like a pretty good package, like in the center of it. But then the outer layers are all just like the the most like rote open world bullshit that 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 like ha- has just been part of gaming for the last decade that like we desperately need to get away from. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I, I mean, I, 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 or what are you saying? Like there's, there's so much, um, uh, quests, I guess that are, that are just nothing that are just like, that don't go anywhere storyline wise. They're busy work. And it's what devs think that people want to do. Is that what you're saying? Is like, especially it's not that they want to do it. It's that they feel like the game has to have it because it has to have like this idea of you could play it forever. Because if people realize that like, Oh, Starfield, it's like, a 30 hour game, right? Like people are not going to think it's worth the money if they don't think it's something that they could play for the rest of their lives. Yeah. I don't understand that at all, but that's such a bizarre, uh, I, I, we, we talk about this a lot, but especially now is like, that's the opposite of what I want. I would rather someone say, no, this is a good game and you just finish it. Yeah. I I don't want, I don't want this, like this whole thing of like, you're going to be playing Starfield for the next, 15 years the way that you were with Skyrim you're going to be making mods for furry mods for all of the characters yeah I mean do you want some uh, Starfield spoilers you want yeah, some, sure you want some deep stuff all right so spoilers for Starfield um through like just consider all all of it there's I'm just going to talk about all of it so at the start of the game like the main story setup is you are this miner who is sent to recover um, an ancient relic from this mine. You touch the relic and you sort of get like these glimpses and this music and you're like seeing star systems and like it resonates with you in a way. So as you're playing through the main story, uh, you're eventually finding that these artifacts are giving you powers. So these are essentially the shouts from Skyrim, but there's like a lot of them. There's 24 different ones and they're all... They all do like pretty cool things like like effectively Jedi powers that you can like force people to put their weapons away. You can turn completely invisible. You can turn gravity off and make everyone and everything like float around. You get like a force push. You get like a solar flare, a beam, everything. You get the ability to like snap and just like suck all of the resources into your backpack, which like sounds kind of boring but it's actually like really cool and the way that like you see all of the resources like turn into ashes around you like it's pretty neat and as you go through the game you know you're running into the primary antagonist which is the starborn which are these entities that are essentially like traveling through universes uh to collect these artifacts and there are some really good moments in this game where the game is like taking into account which of your companions you care about the most. And then they are killing those companions. And I, they're giving you like this really good reason to hate the antagonists because they're just like figuring out who you like and they're getting rid of them. And then one of the major reveals is, can you guess who the Starborn are? They're you, right? Like the Starborn is you and the Starborn are your companions uh, from alternate timelines. 
Uh, so the person who dies off, like your companion, who is probably like your love interest, who like you've done their side quests, like you've given them like your your favorite gear and stuff like you see them die. And then one of the reveals is that like the starborn helmet like goes clear and you see the face of your dead companion. And there are cool moments like that, uh, not just in the main quest, but in the side quests. Uh, and the end of the game and stuff like that, it goes to some interesting places where uh, you're making decisions about which universes like should have these artifacts, like what should be the fate of the universe. And towards the end of the game, you're seeing the impact of the decisions that you've made throughout your side quests and how much you've affected this world. And then uh, you are choosing whether you want to stay in this world or New Game Plus, which is where you are looping. You are becoming Starborn to go into other universes and take their artifact. And as you go into New Game Pluses, you're seeing different variations of universes where uh, different people are alive and dead. Your character who has done things before is able to shortcut quests by saying like, uh, no, this is actually this. I, I just know you're, you're able to essentially just be like, I just know that this is what happened. And you're able to like change the course of some quests because your character just like knows things. That's cool. And that's, that is pretty cool. And it's also a good way to do new game plus in a way that like shortcuts, uh, the bullshit and trims the fat. And I like all of that. But the worst part about New Game Plus is the artifact collection. Because the artifact collection, um, some of them are tied to main stories, and, and that's all fine. But a lot of them, and a lot of the power acquisition, is you're going to uh, you're going to different planets every time the artifacts are on different planets, and that's fine, that's cool. But the actual like cadence of collecting artifacts is like, you're going to a planet, you're searching for a temple, and then you're going to this temple and you're you're doing a mini game uh, to, to to get through it and to do it. And when you do that, um, you're upgrading your power. So every time that you loop, your powers are becoming stronger and stronger to where at some point you just become like this insane situation that is able to like stop time and like teleport, like do dashes and explosions. And you're just like able to do all of this crazy shit. But the way that you get there is kind of dull because you're just like going to these temples like 24 times a playthrough uh, to collect these artifacts by like doing this weird mini game. Uh, and, and that's kind of dull. So like I kind of got to the point where I saw what New Game Plus was. I, you become starborn. It's cool. You get like this crazy fucking ship that looks like no other ship in the game. And it's really funny to like go to like the, you're going to a planet and they're docking you and they're like, what the hell are you driving? And you're just like in this like cool outfit. And every time that you loop in new game plus your like uh starborn suit is getting upgraded. Your starborn ship is getting upgraded and you're seeing a different version of the universe where, like, sometimes uh, people are, instead of being people, they're plants or they're children or everyone is just dead. 
uh, along the main quest line. And, and that kind of stuff is cool, but um, there is too much, like, padding. Like, the biggest problem with this game is how much it's just padded with nonsense in what is otherwise, like, a pretty solid game. Mm-hmm. So that's Starfield. That is Starfield. Oh, and, and the skill tree is cool. The skill tree in this game is really good. Like, there's so much cool shit on the skill tree. Um, there are so many different skills on it. I think that there's, like, I, I don't know, like, a hundred different perks that you're choosing between and leveling up when you when you go down the skill trees. Uh, it, it's a good skill tree. And I am a sucker for a good skill tree. So yes. that's Starfield. That's, that is a lot of Starfield. That's a lot of Starfield. And, and man, but man, there are so many like incredible moments in that game. Uh, one of them is like you can join this pirate faction, and in the at the like towards the end of it, you're doing this like heist on an abandoned like spaceship where it's like this massive ship that's been left in like this really hazardous part of space, and the ship is like falling apart, but it's like full of money, so like everything around you is like collapsing and breaking and like the gravity is turning off and like it's like the ship is going pitch black and you're just like trying to get through it and get to all of this money it's like an insane amount of money like a life-changing amount of money for like this faction and you're just like going through it and like it is this crazy like i can't believe that that exists in this game that also just has all of this like nothingness on all of these planets where they've like created so many cool moments that are obfuscated by all of this nothing bullshit open world stuff. And we've been spoiled by Baldur's Gate, which is a game that is equal in size, but in the quality of the content, it is just so much higher and so much more dense. Yeah, I mean, you were saying before that Baldur's Gate is Baldur's Gate, Baldur's Gate is your front runner probably obvious for game of the year this year um and i've been playing it which should be a shock to the podcast but um uh and i really can see why uh definitely um i feel like it would be weird to go from baldur's gate to starfield and i'm saying that as someone who doesn't have the right to say it because i haven't played starfield and just generally don't like bethesda that much but i also know how bethesda does things and I know that like this systems in Bethesda can generally never be reactive enough. Um, uh, especially the way that you even make Starfield sound is that big, huge, like uh, it's, it's, it's very much like that, that huge sea, but very shallow, wide and shallow kind of thing. It's also this weird thing of like, I have these insane powers where I'm able to literally turn gravity off and people are not reacting. Yeah. And, and that is crazy. And it's weird because Baldur's then then you're playing this the same year where um, this this is more like at, at best Starfield is just like a continuation of what you know about Bethesda games. And that is it's a big open world. It's kind of janky. You're running around. There's a gameplay thing. And then there's going to be a lot of talking and like missions where you're choosing things from a dialogue tree and, you know, stuff like that. But then Baldur's Gate is just really wild where it divulge where it kind of ends from that where you're it's really paying more attention to you and what you're doing in ways that that feel 
uh, unreal. It's really a, 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 a an achievement in games, and you, you've talked about this a lot, where um, you just don't realize how much... It doesn't seem feasible the ways that the game reacts to the things you're doing. You know, yeah. like it's just it's just wild. It's it's uh, Baldur's Gate is one of those few games, like one of the games I could like count on my hand that are you know next gen games. If that makes any sense, like they're it's doing something that more so s- than just graphics seems like the, unachievable. The, yeah. Um, it, it, it is really wild. It's really wild how many things it's doing, how, how, how many wild, uh, things are, are going on, how rich that game is. Every kind of step you're taking, there is, you know, little minor things and characters that are popping up and side stories that could like come back later that, that like your everything you're doing is kind of coming back in, in tons of different ways. Characters, that you travel with are like mentioning choices you've made that they don't like, that they do like their, their dialogue options are like changing, like their responses to things seem to be different. Like one good example of it is like, there's a character shadow heart that kind of starts out, um, very like abrasive with you and very, um, uh, abrasive with the other members. And, uh, through doing a lot of things that she seemed to like, uh, like she stopped me to say like, you know, this wasn't this choice you made isn't a choice that I would usually make. But because I've never, you know, had a traveling partner like this and like, I feel like I, I really trust you that that uh that like I'm not going to, you know, say anything about it. I'm not going to like be nasty about your choice. Um, and that's it's really cool to see all the ways that the game is like constantly giving you that feedback. Yeah. It'll be it'll be a uh, interest. I mean, the the thing that I think is challenging about um, Baldur's Gate three when it comes to a lot of game of the year discussions is I feel like a lot of review outlets won't have people who had the time to finish the game. Yeah. In a in a year that had so many big games and so many like landmark releases, that was like, you know, we're finally on the other end of of a lot of uh like the issues with uh. COVID uh, supply lines and things like that, uh, where COVID is obviously still an issue, but you know, this is the year that like all of the games just like shot out (laughs) and, and you know, it's, it's going to be tough. And speaking of other large landmark releases, cyberpunk 2077 finally released this year after uh, such a long development cycle. Yeah. Um, it, it, and it does everything else really well too. Like it is a very good looking game. Um, uh, I, I, Oh, there's day three that is. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I stepped away to, to close the door cause my cat is going wild. So, so I didn't hear the very end of your COVID talk, but, um, uh, getting back into Baldur's Gate, it's, uh, like it manages to make everything really fun. I, I don't think there's ever been a game that I like the dialogue or like talking to everyone as much as this, because I, I feel like they're taking me seriously in a way that I, I feel like maybe I haven't realized this in years that I don't love. I, I used to be the kind of gamer that wanted to exhaust everything that you walk around and you talk to every NPC and you hear what they've got to say. Cause you're worried that like one of them is going to give you a potion at the end of their dialogue, or one of them is going to give you a quest or something, or that you're going to get some like good information from them. But Baldur's Gate really is the game where that comes up. Like it, this, this really feels like the best D and D campaign you've ever played in your life tailored to you where you can just sit down and play it whenever you want and that it re it reacts almost similarly to a 
real DM of like, you know, they're, they're just crazy things. You, you, the options that you can sometimes do are crazy. If you sometimes you talk to someone and they tell you about something that comes up, it, it gives you an option to talk about in a later conversation. Um, you can get through a lot of things by just talking to people and you get like the big, big experience and everything for it. And um, it feels like really rewarding that uh, the game doesn't just want you to like have everything end in fighting. Um, you can, you can really like get by on like diplomacy or lying and like passing your checks and everything. Um, I'm really impressed yeah. with it. Uh, I'm really, really impressed with it. And I hope that I can spend more time uh, with it. Who, uh, uh, on, on a like same thing, but just away from the game, who, who did you like? Who was, did you find uh, like a group that you always w- worked with or did you try yes. and cycle people out? Okay. So, no. what, so just what is that a, group? Just the same characters, uh, which was always... Uh, Lysel, Shadowheart, and Asterion. Oh, man. So I don't and know. And then if... eventually, uh, Minthara. Yeah, I don't know if, um, this is the, this is because I'm like traveling with them. Because when I first met some of these characters, I did not like Shadowheart. Um, I didn't like Asterion at all. And the more I traveled with them, the more that I really came to appreciate how their, like different quirks um always kept popping up and it was it made it so that like nothing was ever just good like it it wasn't like i had everyone in the party that believed the same thing right because then it just everything goes smoothly so so like if you had a bunch of people who are just going to be like believe in everything you say and they're just going to blindly like be like sycophants and everything you do is great like there's no conflict of course but then it it's really I, the more time I'm spending with Shadowheart and the more time I'm spending with Asterion is like, I want to, even though they, they're, they're, they're constantly like causing conflict or they're like saying things, um, it makes me like, like them more. And it makes like the situations that they're causing like more interesting. Um, so, so I really like that. I think that this game is, I think it, it would be really hard to like cycle people in and out because the characters are so deep that like, as you're traveling with them, you feel like you're like growing with them a lot, and you're in your you're you're they they keep reacting to the story and reacting to you, and keep like moments keep happening where you find out like different things about their past or things that they're afraid of or different quirks that they have, and because of it, it kind of makes it really it makes it hard for me to want to like stow them away and bring out another party member. It's not like a regular JRPG or something where you're kind of traveling with everyone and it doesn't really matter who you have out on the field or maybe in older games you had to keep cycling people in and out to like get them experience like this game you kind of i i feel like i found like a comfortable traveling group where yeah i like their reaction to everything and because of it it's like i i'm having a hard time wanting to like switch anyone in or out um my main group from the beginning has been uh shadow heart asterian and gale i really liked gale he's very like roguish um, and kind of cool, but it also he's like starting to be vanilla. So what is your, what is your character class? Monk. I'm a monk. You're I'm a, a monk. human monk. Cool, cool. Um, I, a lot of times in these games, I, I like picking the character, you know, th- this is like a whole thing. I've been talking to people about this game. This is like a thing where I think it's representative of me as a person, but, uh, I like playing human in this, in these kind of games because, not only is it a good starting point in a really weird world, instead of me being like an elf or a demon, uh, tiefling or, uh, you know, a githyanki or something weird, um, that like, I don't have, 
I'm having a hard time like stepping into that role. It's easier for me to be like, yeah, it's a human and I'm, I'm a human and I'm encountering this stuff that to me is weird, but to them is not. And like, at least it gives me like a footing in this role playing world. But, um, uh, I also don't want to just like have people have a reaction to me everywhere I go. Um, like a good example would be like tiefling, like in, in, in D and D everyone always hates tieflings and because they're like little demons they're demons and because of that uh you know other un- unless you're an edgy teen who always have to pick tiefling as your character because that's what you do no um, it's drow it's drow um drow uh, is what the edgelords pick yeah i feel like tiefling is up there oh, too yeah. but it, but because of it like you go everywhere and people are gonna have like a gut reaction to you so now not only are you like fighting the regular like oh this person doesn't trust me but i wouldn't want to win them over to make this not turn into a fight but now people you're starting off on the wrong foot people don't like don't trust you um and uh like i always want to go human but also like that's maybe that's not like a fun way of doing things um i i there's a person that i i'm going to school with right now and he's gay so he I get encounters a lot of obviously like people who might be hostile to him, especially if they like suss that out and, and might, you know, not like him from the start based on certain, you know, elements of his, of his personality. Um, so with him, he was like, yeah, it's fine. I like, I wanted to go like drow or something or tiefling where people would just hate me. And, uh, I, I like, I want that, like that it's spicy that way. And like, I kind of agree, I guess I agree with it. And especially as I'm traveling with these characters that are not making everything so smooth, you know, like it's like, it's, it's hard to like in D and D. Especially like, it's hard to also think about this as a one game playthrough because like, you got to see what's going on with Lizelle, you know? Yeah. I I mean, I'm thinking about, she seems spicy. I was kind of thinking about putting her in there, but, um, I don't know. Like I, it, it just it. Th- then they have other characters like Will, for example, just seems so bland. Like I, I don't I like the idea of a character that's like I'm so good. I'm I only am good and I only do good things. Um. Uh. But uh. Yeah, and yeah. I think it gets more complicated. I assume it gets more complicated than that. Like as you like with all of the characters, where it like starts off simple. But I wouldn't know because Lil, uh, Will and Carlac, like almost immediately ditched sideline. Oh, really? They were immediately they were immediately done with me. They're like, we don't like your bullshit. We're out oh, yeah. of here. Um, I mean, so what? You set one druid grove ablaze. One kill, druid grove. You kill a couple dozen tiefling refugees, and all of a sudden, you're the bad guy. Yeah. Since when? Have, since when do people have a problem with killing refugees? Right. Mm. That's what I'm saying. That's a, that's a, that's not even a political statement, right? You know, it's just a few refugees, like druids. No one likes druids. You know, you can't, you can't trust them. That's not, that next, that, time. That, that, that time that you're, that you're, you're having some alone time. You're there. You look out the window, the, 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 the blinds aren't there. You see a squirrel staring at you. You're like, what is that? What's that squirrel That could be at? a druid. That's oh. a druid. You're looking at, what are you looking at? I don't like it exactly no one trusts them no one likes them they're gonna act oh all high and mighty suddenly you no one likes druids suddenly james burns down a druid grove and now everyone cares about druids suddenly oh i I see yep yeah so uh really great game i i i uh would be shocked if this isn't the generic game of the year for most outlets i i i think that that's i think that it like makes the most sense and it's doing the most and that as a 
it, it is. I, I have. I, I can't think of anything else this year that is kind of pushing the envelope. That is, this. What Baldur's Gate is doing, quite simply, is something that I think video games have tried to do for ever, forever. Since since like those since like old choose your own adventure games, the 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 way that uh, games and devs have tried to make this storytelling seem seamless, to have yeah. tried have tried to make the hand of the developer seem invisible, um, has never been complete in a way that it is more with Baldur's Gate. I just think that the, the the way that the game reacts to things or has like voice lines or dialogue for something you do is just like insane sometimes that it's like, how did you know that I would do that? And like, I not, and, and especially when it gets down the line of like, I had to make choice A, then B, then C, and then all the way down this line. And you're still like reacting to weird things that I'm doing or it's still coming up or like I found something hours ago and I remembered it for this conversation. Like there's just all these things that are, that are like, uh, you know, so unique and it, and it does make you feel interested about the world going on. And even when I like pass, when I like fail a check, I'm always just like, oh, I guess I got to keep going. And like, I, this thing will be forever, you know, not known to me or I'll roll with the punches of like, you fail a check and now people want to fight you or something. And it's like, okay, I guess that's what it's going to be. So like it, it, the game has a really good way of reacting to anything you do in a way that just doesn't seem very like game-like or um, it seems like a thing that, you know, developers, they don't care to think about it. Like I said, with Starfield, with you like levitating shit and people are just like, yeah, that's, you know, you know, it's I just, funny. Uh, I love visiting the cloud district. You know, it's funny is this, this is it you, you make this good point And we always make this point about, um, uh, the the Bethesda games having all these deep things that happen and then you're you become the dragonborn and you're you're running around shouting at people you're the 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 head of the thieves guild you're the head of the warriors guild you're the head of the of everything the dark brotherhood you're the head of the mages guild you're every single person ever in the universe and then you're walking around and then the that someone you steal like an apple and they're like stop thief like I could do whatever yeah. I want. I'm a god in this universe. Like I'm. Don't you know me? Like you should know me. And then, uh, like this game actually leans into it in the other direction, where, um, at least for this beginning part of the game, uh, the the whole setup is that the the, the mind flayers like put this this uh, uh, like wriggling worm thing in your brain that is affecting your brain is trying to turn you into another into a mind flayer, but it's giving you powers as you're going and. Um, the powers make you a true, true soul. So a lot of the characters, like you have a thing like almost once per day where if a character is believes in like the true soul religion or is like attuned in such a way, then they'll have like a gut reaction to you. And they'll be like, oh, whoa, oh, like I sense that you're like really strong. Like, I, I'm, I'm sorry. And then like all your roles are like really small roles. Like, like, like you'll a be, two. Yeah, you'll, yeah, it'll be like, you'll, like you'll talk to someone and they'll be like, I ain't giving you this, this, this poet, this, this, this book that I found off this corpse. And then you're like, no, you're going to hand me that book. And they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I didn't know you were true soul. Hey, oh, like, here you go. If for like, you roll like a two on it and then that's it. Yeah, like, you can like make someone like, you could make like a goblin, like eat dog poop and stuff like that. They'll like insult you, and you'd be like, "I'm a true soul, and you have to eat doo doo." Yeah, and it, it it just feels good, like the game is reacting to that kind of stuff. Yeah, great game, great game. Uh, speaking of great games, uh, Cyberpunk 2077 came Whoa. out uh, last week. Or can't whatever. believe it. Tell me about it. I'm so excited uh, about hearing about this because 
this is okay. If, if it, I, I really want to put a dent or finish Cyberpunk and uh, or, or finish Baldur's Gate and then try and get to Cyberpunk, I am kind of excited about playing Cyberpunk. Believe the hype. Believe the uh, hype. It's, it's a game. It's so good. Um, somehow they managed to make this game feel like an action game, despite the fact that it is. I mean, so I think that one of the issues when this game came out is that when this game came out, uh, it wasn't a good RPG uh, because leveling up was boring and your choices didn't matter. Uh, and the action was boring uh, because the shooting felt bad. The skill choices meant nothing. There were trap builds in that you could build your character in a way that was just like fatally flawed. Like playing a strength-based character was super fucking dull. The melee combat, while cool because it's like, oh, you know, I get to use a katana and guns, felt kind of bad because the skill options just weren't there. So it felt like the main way that you would play this game is like, well, the shooting's not very good. And the melee combat's not very good. So I guess I have to uh, play a stealth character uh, with a sniper rifle because that's the only thing that really feels like it makes sense. Uh, and, and I feel like now this is a game where the RPG elements are good because they redid all of the skill trees uh, and the action elements are very good because if you choose to go melee... It feels fucking crazy. Like you feel so strong and cool. Like this is a this is a game now where it is a game that feels did you play Hotline Miami? Yeah. Okay. This game makes you feel like you're in Hotline Miami. In running terms around, of like you're a monster. How fucking it's, badass it's, you are. It's like um the Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven um anime. It is. Where you like freak where, out and you turn into like a whatever they call him. Like yeah. A, you can get a Sandevistan Shoom. in this game. Yeah, no, what is it? Like a cyber psycho? Cyber, you're cyber uh, psychoing out. You're just like leaping on everyone. The RPG elements, like this is not a game about making choices. This is like you are playing through a mostly linear, cinematic, high, highly cinematic, like like quadruple A story uh, when it comes to like the scale the set pieces, the voice acting, the animations and rigging. This, like, and, and the graphics, like, obviously, this is a game where they've really been, like, sharpening it when it comes to uh, the performance of this game. Because when it first came out, a lot of people had trouble running this game. Like, it was one of the first real ray tracing games, but the ray tracing uh, was impossible to run, so it was, like, a joke. But now, like, NVIDIA's been, like, working really closely with the developers. So it just like looks and runs super, super well. Um, the cars like handle much better. Uh, the car, there's now car combat where instead it's just like you were driving around and like trying to like elude people or chase people down. But now it's like, uh, there's all of these perks that are related to car combat and you could like shoot out the windows and it's like very cinematic. It like looks good. It feels good. Um, you can deflect bullets with your katana now uh, instead of having like, th there's like the ability to like hack things in this game and you can replace that with uh, things that are better for certain builds. Like I mentioned before, like melee didn't feel very good, but now instead of having these quick hacks, uh, you could have like this adrenaline 
which makes you invincible uh, and allows you to regain health depending on how many enemies you kill uh, during your invincibility. Or you can install a Sandevistan, which, like Edge Runners, allows you to like dramatically slow down time, and like, you know, carve people up, shoot shoot a bunch of bullets, and then like you release the Sandevistan, all the bullets go flying into people, like cool shit like that. Um, it is just like so, what they promised almost. Like like this is the this, this is finally like it feels like this is what they originally wanted to release, but didn't have enough time. And now four years later, this is like the fruition of all of the things people criticized about the game and, you know, all of the things that people expected about the game based on what they said we were going to get. Yeah, Um, it seems like they made some huge improvements from everywhere. There was a massive patch that came out before this um, new DLC. Uh, Are you playing a new character or the old stuff? Okay, you started from the beginning. Yeah, started from the scratch, replaying the game. I've not gotten any new content yet, uh, so I've mostly just been replaying the stuff that I've already seen, which means that I haven't gotten a Phantom Liberty, so all of the uh, you know, feedback that I'm giving right now is based on uh, just the 2.0 update and not Phantom Liberty itself. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to check that out. For me, one of the biggest changes actually is the police system where the police system used to be like you did something bad and police would just appear around the corner. It would just generate police. And it was so fucking weird. Now, the only way that you um, increase like your heat level is if you do a bad thing that police see and they're not like randomly generating them anymore. They're like, you know, showing up in a way that like is reasonable and makes sense. And you can like hide from the police. And it's like, it's not that big of a deal. Cause it's not like all the time that you're necessarily interacting with police, but like the old system felt so ridiculous that it almost like took you out of the experience when like police action would happen. Big recommends on uh, cyberpunk though. It yeah, is such I a good feeling and good looking game. And you are also in like this, uh, position of having never played any of it before yeah i feel like a lot of games i'd rather do that anyway so i have like a great um reaction to it from the beginning like a game that's like half good like if cyberpunk was like maybe at best you'd say you know it's all right it's like a seven it's you know it's it's good it's like it's it's okay it's worth playing if you have a lot of free time but uh if you know what you're getting into but now it's like a real game and uh, uh, I have none of the negative uh, thoughts on it before of like I didn't really play it at all. So um, I'm just going to go into it with like, you know, revamped combat and skill trees and everything after like a year of, of patches and everything runs smoother and is better and is more fun and with extra DLC. And it's like just a, a an actually probably like, you know, good game. But again, it's like it's like weird to play some of these games because uh, there's Baldur's Gate. So games that are doing like RP, have like RPG elements, I think, are gonna feel shallow um, when when it goes down to that. Like, are you gonna do the good thing or the bad thing? And, and but I also like I said, I feel like in this game, it's not really like a game about decision making. You are pretty much like doing the one thing. Okay. At least in the base game, you're not like making choices. You're not like choosing gang affiliations and things like that, which is a thing that probably should have been in the game, like being able to like join different factions, but nothing like that. 
And, and it's probably for the better that it's not like trying and failing to do those things the way that you get in like a Starfield. Well, hell yeah. Anything else? That's video games. That could be video games. That's a lot of video games, right? A lot of video games. What are we at? An hour and what are 20. We at time an hour and 20, which is, which feels like more, but. It felt so dense. Yeah. I feel like we really, we really knocked it out of the park. Good for us. I mean, there's a new Marvel Snap season, you know, but whatever. Yeah, always a great time. Marvel Snap it's fun. season. I, I, I love I some of these new do, upcoming cards. Yeah, I could do without Elioth being in the game. Oh, man. You were, you were so right on that card. That card is just like... I hate that card. It is so boring. It is just so boring. Yeah, I think we, <laughs> I think we already talked about it on the podcast, but yeah, Elioth just so. has this, like, arrow problem where it's... Like, it, it's saying that the game is over and there's no way to get around it, kind of, where it's like they have tempo, so they're going to win. And it also, Elias is a six-drop card that uh, just kills everything that the person plays that turn across the other side on that, like, location. So, um, it, because it just kills it before they even flip, there's no way to get around it. Um, or even, like, if it were, like, you know, they have to flip first, then you could, you then like stuff that would maybe buff your team or on reveals would go off. But because nothing is happening, uh, if, if, you know, if you know that like that's the lane you're going to play it and you just need to win this one lane, then like there's no counterplay at all. Like it just, it's just going to happen. It's just going to kill the, the cards before they even uh, are revealed. You don't even know what they are. And um, it just reminds me a lot of like the old way that Arrow used to work where she would pull every card that person played that turn to whatever location she's played at so if you're winning two locations then you just play her to a location you're already losing and then every their big like turn six play just happens at a location they don't want so it's just like by the time that the game is in at the end of like the fifth round you might be like oh is it over like did it, did it already end and i think because of that also Elias gets played in like a little bit in everywhere where he's not even just like it's not even like a it, it can be like in a tempo deck like I'm I'm playing like uh decks that just have a lot of different things like maybe they're they're like value decks that want to do like Spider-Man move and maybe have Morales just so that they're they're putting down good numbers every turn like the classic um yeah. good good it's like a good cards deck without any real yep. thing and then they just have like Elias thrown in there, so like maybe you're Why like they, they they win the tempo You're game. Downside. Yeah, they win the tempo game, and then you drop that on turn six, and it's like, well, what? I don't, I don't know what you're gonna do, but if but like you didn't yeah. get to play it, how um, would how would you change Elias? Um, I don't know. I feel like I I, I don't like this kind of design because it just in general is like uh kind of harmful. Um, yeah, I think one way to change it might be like if it were if you know. If I were to give a shot at it, and I wouldn't say that this would fix all of its problems, but make it so that it's on reveal uh, at the end of the turn, destroy all cards your opponent played here this turn. Yeah, so, so, they, so like not, I, you said, you could get rid of, you could do your on reveals. Yeah, you could armor, you could like play armor on the last turn. Or play Cosmo, and then like maybe yeah. maybe make it so that it doesn't go off or something, I don't know. Um uh, but but yeah, like yeah, he's not the best card. Um, is I also like, think that Mobius is a bad card. Like he's obnoxious. Like I could do. Oh yeah, Mobius for real. Mobius. I mean, Mobius. Mobius's problem is that like, the, the, we're we're starting to see the strength of two drops be a little bit too ridiculous, and mm -hmm. it's and it's outclassing a lot of the other two drops. So like th this season, especially, it's happening where you have Mobius who just 
is like Jeff is an old example of this where Jeff just kind of did too much and Jeff Jeff does too much and continues to do too much. Jeff like lets you play in a locked lane, lets you play in a lane that only allows like nothing can stop Jeff from being there. So like places that you can't get into, you can, you can put Jeff into and, and also Jeff moves and Jeff is well statted at vanilla wise at a two mana three drop. So like Jeff has all these positive things that you can just like throw into a deck. And Mobius is a little bit of a similar thing where he's ongoing doing way too much where your opponent can't have their mana their mana costs lowered and you can't have your mana costs raised. And yep. I would change him to just make it so that you can't he- have- yeah, you can't have your costs raised, and it wouldn't uh, uh, affect the opponent at all. The fact that it affects the opponent is pretty wild because you can, like, if, if you're playing, if the enemy is playing Wave, um, and then you play Mobius, then your their Wave is helping you and hurting them. And, like, it, it just feels like he's too much of a, like, you, you, he's so powerful that a deck that can fit him is going to be better. Um, like, and it's just, I, I, it, he's just like generically good. He's not doing any, like so far, I don't think he's doing anything combo wise. It is like, he's opening up a deck or an option or something is better, or he's getting rid of an old option in a good, in a, like an important tech way. It's really more that like, you just kind of throw him in if you got the space and he's like doing a lot and he can randomly be very powerful. And, and the decks that play him, like, like I'm like the, some of the better decks that are playing him right now are playing like him and Luke Cage and they're not playing any cards that synergize with him and Luke Cage. But the idea is that they're just like locking out counterplay with really cheap, effective cards that just like tech out counterplay. So now like you, you play Mobius and Luke Cage and your opponent can't interact with you by lowering your, your power and can't interact with you by changing your mana costs or uh, waving you on turn five to stop you from being able to, uh, play out your whole hand in like a little minion scenario um and then that is like like i think as like the elsa decks might be refined um she seems like she's another uh, she's another card where when you look at her stats it's insane that she is a- yeah i give that card a pass for like not for having counterplay and for not you have to play around uh, ruining her. ruining your game plan yeah you have to like, play around like, like if you're playing the Elsa, I think she's fun as hell. I don't know if she needs like a I major do. nerf or anything. She, I, I could see her going, doing like being like a two one or something, and that would being sure. good enough or something, or being a, a three mana two or something. Oh yeah, make her a surfer card. <laughs> yeah, uh, but but she she <laughs> is one of the coolest cards. I, I love her so much, and it's she fun. kind of, yeah she kind of opened up and like I love cards in Marvel Snap that open up like kind of a new way to play the game. And Elsa is Bloodstone. Yeah, are you playing anything uh, spicy with it? Because I've got a pretty kind spicy. Of a, Kind of like a generic deck that I made where it wants to be playing move cards. And the whole idea is... So Elsa is whenever you play a card, whenever you play the, the a card that fills up a location, the fourth card on location, you give them plus three power. And there's really cool ways to synergize this with this. One example is... And you, you mentioned this. Um, uh, they just nerfed Kitty Pride, and you were like... The community is in shambles thinking that kitty pride is devastated but she is so good in this deck because her thing is that whenever you play her um she'll return back to your hand at the start of the next turn and get plus one but if you're thinking about it 
you have a uh, three cards on one location, and then you just keep throwing her into the same location and proccing the Elsa plus three. Um, Jeff, obviously, fantastic card. Where you, the, the main idea with this Elsa deck is that you want to get three cards in one location and then just start buffing cards and then moving yeah. them out. So then you keep so like Nightcrawler's Nightcrawler, back, baby. Nightcrawler's back. You throw him on the location. He's a one mana five. You throw Jeff on the location. He's a two mana six. You throw. You keep throwing Kitty Pride into the location, reprocking Elsa. She's powerful. Yeah. And Mysterio, Mysterio. You you fill up all the lanes, and and not only can you like bass Mysterio to put a three drop in every lane, but it's filling up slots, which means that on turn six, maybe you can drop all these cards, fill up every lane, and then you can be getting like plus three in one lane, plus three in another lane, plus three in another lane, and just like yeah. getting that value. When she really, when you really like end up really synergizing with her and like procking her a lot it, it it is a great feeling it's out of control it is a huge yeah. like my, my two favorite decks so far is a cheerios deck which is like what they call like uh cantrips or like zero drops it's a magic term or something i guess uh so like wasp yellow jacket thor jane foster and then like hit monkey elsa bast mysterio and then you're just like on that last turn you're just like dumping everything onto the field uh, and getting all those those procs, getting that big old hit monkey. And my yeah. other one is uh, Elsa on Fire, which is like a Human Torch. Uh, so having Elsa buff Human Torch to 1-5 and then pulling Human Torch and making him like a 110. And then like you're falconing him, you're picking him up, and you're just like dumping that big-ass Human Torch. And then at the end, you can Taskmaster him or you just win the other lanes with like Angela and Kitty and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. uh, and those are my, my two uh, favorite Elsa decks so far. Yeah. Really fun card. Some cool cards yeah. coming out this, this season. I like my favorite one is uh, this week coming out man thing. Cause you know, I like a junk deck. Yeah. What is man thing again? Man thing is a four or five that's ongoing. Uh, one, two and three cost cards at this location have minus two power. Oh, you give him some rocks, you give him a green goblin or a hood, and you just lower the You gotta power be afraid level. of not giving that man thing to him, though. Ooh, the man thing to him? You mean, like, getting roguked? Yeah, or or you vipered man thing. Well, yeah, I mean, it, but it's an ongoing, so, you know, you you know, you do that later. But, I mean, I, I also feel like this will work pretty good with, like, a high evolutionary abomination deck. Um, This is going to work really well with that, uh, what, uh, what's Annihilus. his name? Annihilus. Which is going to yeah, move? Comes out. He he is going to be a like un, inarguably a completely new deck concept where uh, he just moves negative cards from your side of the of the board over, and if they can't move, they're destroyed. And because of it, like you can just play safely play some like negative cards, and then just have this like massive turn six sweep of moving all these junk cards onto your, your enemy side and it's even better because it's safe too. So even if you don't get to move them over, you get to destroy them. Yeah. Those are video games. Those are video games. Yeah, we we padded out with some Marvel Snap like uh like Bethesda does. Yep. Uh this the, is the, been... the endless well. It'll never run out. There's always money in the Marvel Snap stand, you know? I mean every week there's a patch. Except for this week which was there was really no patch. You know, they changed Maria Hill and Cable and it was very boring. Uh, but that's, that's video games. This is WTDG podcast for the week of October 8th. 
Uh, you could find us online at wtdgpodcast.com. You could find us on uh, Twitter at sign WTDG podcast to be notifi- notified when new uh, episodes go live. Uh, you can find us on Spotify, uh, iTunes. Is it iTunes? Is it Apple Music? I don't know anymore. I don't know. X-Tunes that kind now. Of tone. X-Tunes. X-Tunes. Uh, where you can rate, comment, subscribe to the show. I don't know if you can comment. Thank you, Ryan Galloway, and and Bumpier for the user music. I'm gonna say crying. Um, Bumpier for the user music. You, we use the international. You can get it off the new album, Pop Songs 2020. You can find them at YouTube, where you can find links to all their merch. And we're gonna go. We're gonna go play some Mortal Kombat. And uh, you know, Mortal Kombat. How do they say it? Hosty. Hosty.